You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Fast forward, you know, a little bit more successful, a little bit stronger, more people. They're like, let's get back into music a little bit, right? But Ash, CEO, had the idea of starting a label to help support indie artists uh, and get them, like, you know, uh, expose them to the audience of Watch Mojo, which is 24 million subscribers, 150 million views per month, all that stuff, all that crazy stuff. So that's great. When I heard that, I was like, man, where do I sign? You know, like, where do I, how do I, you know, get me in this thing, you know? And like within... 30 seconds of us getting on the phone first time i've ever spoken to him we we're talking about ozzy osbourne you know within like 30 seconds you know like uh and all that stuff so right off the bat you know like okay we're dealing with someone who loves music and and is for music and to help hey what's up vox and hops heads i'm matt the vocalist of cryptopsy and the host of the vox and hops metal podcast brought to you by sound talent media and evergreen podcasts where i sit down with fellow metal musicians talk about their lives music and craft beer i hope you've been having a glorious week i most certainly have been because we are now officially one month away from heavy montreal presents vox and hops brutal montreal that's right a true metal and craft beer festival happening right here in montreal on december 17th at corona theater featuring my band cryptopsy the agonist the great sabatini necrotic mutation and burning the oppressor all night long you can enjoy killer brews from bg brasserie urban Masorum brassatorium brasserie du bas canada Sir John Brewing Company, Saint-Kim Baron, and Brasseur de Montréal. Tickets are selling extremely quickly for this event, so if you are planning on coming to it, you should absolutely pick up your tickets via the link in the description of this podcast. Don't miss your chance. It's going to be an absolute blast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life, doesn't have to be a metalhead, doesn't have to be a huge hophead, but if there's someone in your life that enjoys listening to podcasts... Let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You could tell them that there are over 300 episodes for them to go explore on their favorite podcast platform. If you were to encourage one of your friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly, truly appreciate. Now, on today's episode, I'm with Frank Pavan, Cassius Morris, and Joe Pacheco of the Inner Sleeve Podcast of Sound Mojo. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 309. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with the boys from the Inner Sleeve Podcast from Sound Mojo. We got Frank Pavan, Cassius Morris, and Joe Pacheco. Boys, how are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Matt, thanks for having us, man. No, no, I had to. It was just, I was watching, you know, I grew up watching the lists, <laughs> the, 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 the Watch Mojo lists. And then <laughs> here it pops up on my socials. But what's this? It's the same. It, it feels the same. It, it looks the same. Sound Mojo. They have a podcast. I have a podcast. <laughs> and uh, it was cool that we hooked this up. So let's start with a very simple, how are you guys doing tonight? How are you feeling? We're about to drink a beer together. We're going to talk about metal. Uh, you guys are going to ask me some questions. Uh, let's, just, let's just jump right in. Awesome. I'm doing great, man. Just glad to be here finally. Because like, uh, same as you, like I've seen Vox and Hobbs, Vox and Hobbs, and then I'm like, okay, we started the inner sleeve. We're like, okay, let's see what happens, and then eventually, you're like, oh, okay, and then you just hit us up, and we're like, oh, let's do this together, man. Do a nice crossover. I love it. I love it. Uh, I like to start these off with a shitty question to move into brighter territory as we keep going throughout the conversation. Uh, how did you guys cope with the glorious year of 2020 that has now lingered into 2021? And, uh, you know, we're, we're almost at the end of 2021, but it sort of still feels a little bit like 2020, but a little bit better. So, so how did you guys cope with all that time? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird eh? because you get the vibe of like it feels long, but yet it's like wow, it just it's a blur, it just passed. You know, like and we lived it day by day. You know, so 
I don't know. It's hard to just process it basically uh, day by day. Um, it was a bit rough last year. No shows, no events. And we were just getting started with Sound Mojo to, to like, all right, let's go cover some events, do some shows. And like, mm, no, like right out of the gate, we just get blocked, you know? Yeah, it was a pretty hectic year. I mean, for me personally, this gig is actually what mostly got me through 2020. Like it started, I think, in the holiday season right before it. And uh, honestly, just being able to talk to people from all around the world, such as yourself, Matt, and, and all the other people we've talked to, that's really what personally kept me going, because it was that connection that we didn't have in the quarantine. Mm-hmm, absolutely. How about you, Frank? You know what? You know what's funny is that uh, this morning I got on a call with like our CEO, Watch Mojo. We got onto like weekly calls just to catch up, see how things are going. And the first thing he asked me was, did this year, like he said, it's, I can't believe it's already October. Did this year pass fast for you or was it slow? And I honestly, um, I think it just passed so incredibly quickly. I, I, I can't believe we're already in October. And I know some people will say, oh my God, no, I've been cooked up in my house or whatever the situation is. But for me, it really just passed so fast. And I can't believe we're already October nearing 2022 already. I really can't. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, uh, especially running a podcast. It's, it's like living week to week. Yeah. How about yourself? Oh, I've been busy as goddamn <laughs> hell. I've been working full-time the whole time uh, at my day job, uh, working as an early childhood educator. And uh, the podcast has just been running the whole time, going from during the pandemic at the the peak of the pandemic. When I was home, I was releasing three episodes a week. Uh, and then I cut down to two episodes a week. And now recently, I've cut down to one episode a week. But I tend to still drop two episodes a week because that just sort of happens. And if people don't realize one a week is mm-hmm. a lot. So like three a week is insane. <laughs> I've been like looking at how much time actually goes in from A to Z from that first email exactly. reaching out to try to book an interview to the final uh, social media post, let's say. And it's about seven to ten hours per episode that it takes for yeah. a Vox and Hops episode. So yes, it's time consuming. Very, yeah, <laughs> it's very like time. It's sometimes I beat myself up for like, oh my god, am I taking too long? Am I taking too long to do this? You know, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? <laughs> it's uh, we develop tricks. Yeah, as we that's keep it. Going, you know, it's like building the plane as you fly it. You know, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, typically talking about their life, music, and craft beer. Uh, now, what beers are we going to be sharing virtually tonight? Hmm. Joe, Joe, go ahead. Let's see. I've got two, but I'm going to show one. Uh, I'm not like a big beer drinker, more of a coffee guy, but I like beer, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that Vox and Hops is all about that. So I figured, let me just try this Cherry Bomb. You know, you've obviously, you're the pro, so I like, I don't even know what this is. (laughs) I just, I think it's cherry. It's beer. What is is the brewery, though? I can't remember. Let's see if I can, my old eyes can see this. Brewery is La Souche, Microbrasserie. That's correct. Yes, very, very cool brewery from from uh, out there in Quebec, uh, in the yeah. woods of Quebec. They make killer awesome. beers. Uh, who, who else wants to go next? What, what else are we sharing? I feel like a kid in, in class who forgot his homework <laughs> because uh, I actually don't have a beer on me at the moment. Uh, ever since my, my little mishap head injury, beer hasn't really been in my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did want to give a shout out to one of my favorite micro breweries, um, or at least craft. You tell me if they're micro or not. But Alley Cat Brewers, okay. um, very very located? good brewery. They're in oh, Alberta. Okay. I, I do not know them. Well, just for the record, Cassius is from Alberta. That's why <laughs> it's local. Oh, amazing! Yeah. The only reason I've heard of them, no. But uh, yeah, very good brand and big shout out to them. Amazing. How about how about you, Frank? So for myself, so funny story is that last week Joe and I. We were at the studio at the Watch Mojo headquarters and we said, you know, after we had finished, we said, let's go to this little craft or uh, microbrewery depener mm-hmm. uh, convenience store. And so Joe was right. We did buy the same <laughs> cherry bomb, which it was a 50-50 yeah. shot, Joe, on which one I would open. And I did open oh, okay, the cherry cool. bomb one. So we'll show <laughs> well, that I didn't one open again. it. Didn't Amazing. know that one. The, didn't know. Didn't oh, it. you didn't open it. But then I've got this other cool one here. And while I was shopping, I didn't realize that I had purchased two beers that were kind of similar. But the the artwork captivated me. So it's it's milkshake brown ale cherry yeah. flavor. Wow, from Lenolten. Yeah. Look at Ship you. Ship it so, over to Cassius. And it's it's <laughs> Lenolten Company. Yeah, hey, just throw it over. Yeah. So I mean, while I did open the cherry bomb, I have that other one on my desk here. So I'll be trying those that one at least maybe later on in the week. But that's what I got. 
Amazing. And Matt, I saw in one of your latest episodes you were telling the guest that somebody was drinking a bubbly, sparkling water, mm-hmm. so that redeemed mm-hmm. him. So now you can tell the next guest somebody was drinking <laughs> air. So there's no way it can get any worse than this. So there it's you guys go. It's not the first time. There's no stress, Cassius. Uh, on my side, I'm going to be <laughs> drinking uh, one of my brand new favorite breweries. This is from Saikambato. One of the nice. I feel like they're very underestimated. Uh, they can do everything right. This is their mixtape, and they do a series That's of mixtapes. Cool. It's a New England IPA, and they just changed the color of the mixtape so they're really into hip-hop and stuff like that which is not metal uh but i love them so darn much that i don't mind promoting (laughs) them and uh jacob their owner is really cool and uh this is 6.5 percent new england ipa just killer i'm gonna crack this and i would love to hear about your guys's first beers first beer i'm I'm old bro i don't can remember my first beer oh man i have a mine was last week i'm I'm the young i have a funny story i think it, it must have been in high school. So it, in, in high school, I was probably 14, 15. A couple buddies and I, we had got together at a, at a friend's house. And uh, it was Pabst. Oh, yeah. Yes. Blue Ribbon, which is just like, they, that teaches you. <laughs> that teaches you a lesson. That <laughs> That's one. a first beer. <laughs> that one teaches you a lesson from a young age. And so it was that one. And I remember that night, like we had, we for some stupid reason, young kids, we didn't, make logical decisions and we my my friend's parents were out that night and we decided not to throw the beer cans that we had Mm. consumed just in their recycling bin we had decided to throw them (laughs) out somewhere and miners walking around with like a a garbage bag with (laughs) looking very suspicious a a police car strolls by and they ask us what are you holding and why are you doing this and so we got a little scared there they were nice they were nice people so they let us walk on our way but it was very silly decision and that that's a fun, like a funny memory I have from a young age. So that was it. Yeah, perhaps that was the answer question. Yeah, Joe, do you remember? No, that first first beer. No, I remember. I probably very young because I did not like it at all. Like I didn't like. I'm not an alcohol guy. I had to like, uh, you know, like where you sort of force yourself and then you end up liking it. So I remember getting old, like, you know, in my 20s, I still, like, you know, I'd have that one beer all night at the show. Like, the one beer, right? <laughs> and it gets hot and it's disgusting, so it makes it even it's worse. getting worse and exactly. worse. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, why do people do this? I'd be like, why it's do cheaper, people do but... this? And then, you know, you go out, you go out, you go out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, a couple months later, next thing you know, like, wow, this is my fourth, fifth beer in, like, an hour or so. Like, what's going on over here? So that's that's pretty much my story. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I think for me, I had tried a little sip. Like, I think most parents would maybe give you a little sip when you're 13 on mm-hmm. New Year's or whatever. But the first beer I actually sat and had was at a party a friend of mine was having in the East Coast. And he was so excited that he had Budweiser. He was like, we have the king of beers. This is the best beer because it says it on the can. And I was like, wow, this is the real deal. Uh, so, yeah, I remember having that and sort of choking it down and uh, trying to be one of the boys that night. So it was pretty funny. That's Matt, amazing. Yourself? Um, well, I've spoken about it a lot in my pile. My first, first beer was a Lucky Lager. Um, it doesn't exist anymore. I was at a house party in high school. We ravaged my poor friend's <laughs> house because his mother was out of town and she was a very sweet woman and we shouldn't have done that. But it was lots and lots of fun. And I, you know, if I could teleport myself back there and relive it again, I would most definitely do that. Uh, cheers for hanging out. Cheers. Uh, ra- raise your glass of air. And <laughs> <laughs> cheers. 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 This is great. This is a super fruity, juicy, uh, like, Tropical fruits, um, not bitter whatsoever. Really awesome, amazing second bottle. Cool man, this is this is cool too. Like I was expecting more cherry, and it's not. You know, it's more. It's it's, it's like beer. a it's like a red yeah. red ale. Yeah, yeah. I like it. amazing. Let's dance into music. I'd love to hear about uh, the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up. Your par- when you're growing up in your parents or guardians' house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the music? <laughs> what music did your parents or guardians listen to? Well, that's a good one. Uh, growing up Portuguese downtown Montreal in the uh, plateau before it was the plateau, uh, I, I was exposed mm-hmm. to po- fo- you know Portuguese folklore, uh, fado, you know as they call it, and like. Uh, and also like marching band, you know, I even played very young. I played the uh, clarinet and French horn in like Portuguese, like marching band where we would do like the feasts down around the, the church over there. Um, that's pretty much, you know, before I got into control of things. <laughs> Frank. Uh, I've got, um, 
I don't know, growing up in my, because my grandparents, I was, I'm very lucky to still live next, next door to my grandparents and, and I've been doing so for a while. And my grandfather is, is, uh, just crazy for music. I mean, music was his career. He was an accordionist. Uh, uh he, he had his own, um, orchestra as well, or, or band, I should say. And he, uh, predominantly operated in the wedding scene in Montreal. That's when, what he was most known for. And anyways, when I was, I mean, I was a young kid, I was always over at their house and, there was a lot of more uh, classical, I guess, uh, music playing. Like there was always the Rat Pack. There was always Louis Armstrong. There was uh, there was the Four Aces. I don't know if you right. No, uh, no. yeah. I think they were more of a local band. But anyways, my bro- my uh, my grandfather had a bunch of music playing all the time. So I guess you could say I grew up on older styled music. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's that's a little brief summary of, of my end as well. Cassius, how how about you? This is great, Matt, because you're letting me get to know my coworkers here better. <laughs> this is stuff I didn't know at all. This is we're great. more like just you know, get to me, work. Was, like, yeah, that's what we that's are. What we like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we whip at each other. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a magic question. I ask it for a reason because you can find out something about your guests when they were young, which brings out a vulnerability, right? And also, you can find out what their youth was like. Where, where we, did they grow up in a broken home? that was it their their brother that showed them more stuff because their dad was always out drinking you know like it's like a, a secret key lock into memories that really opens up and there's a reason why i ask specific questions and that one is definitely why Cassius. well don't steal my answer because that was my answer <laughs> no uh, but actually you know it was so eclectic growing up in my my household we would always have music especially in the car no matter where we would go anything from gospel to Warren Zevon to Marvin Gaye to, to Kiss, Iron Maiden. Um, it was always just playing. And I remember my dad would play, he would even play like Eminem albums and stuff and hip hop albums. But whenever they had cuss words, he would turn it down and then he'd turn it back <laughs> up. So like, it was like his own bleeps. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Instead he of the it. DJ, so I was exposed uh, to a lot. Yeah. Out the swear words, it was just your dad. Yeah, my dad had a, a turntable in the front seat, the whole deal. It was amazing. Sounds safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, let's dance straight into this uh, sound mojo. Now, now, why? Why? Did, did Watch Mojo feel like it needed a, a label, something else, a, a sister channel, a brother channel, a second channel, a second venture? What, you know, at what point did they, did they realize that there was no more content for them to remake <laughs> into top 10 lists? <laughs> well, uh, it's... I know that Watch Mojo like um, ha- ha- always covered music, top ten music, top ten, whatever. But they always mm. got like it always gave them the the most pain, right? With the labels claiming copyright claims and stuff like that. Absolutely. Hell so yes. when they realized that in sports, eh? yeah, Tough and ones. they realized like, well, it's ninety five percent of our hassle is music related claims that you know we have to figure out and you know uh, whatever uh, and and but. It was like very five percent of what the rev generated actual views, and you know, so it wasn't worth it for them. So they basically put a stop on it, and you know, what they grew, what they everybody, what they became known as, like uh, as Watch Mojo for pop culture. So then, fast forward, you know, a little bit more successful, a little bit stronger, more people. They're like, let's get back into music a little bit, right? But Ash, CEO, had the idea of starting a label to help support indie artists. Uh, and get them like you know uh, expose them to the audience of watch mojo which is 24 million subscribers 150 million views per month all that stuff all that crazy stuff so that's great when i heard that i was like man where do i sign you know like where do i how do i you know get me in this thing you know and like within 30 seconds of us getting on the phone first time i've ever spoken to him we're talking about ozzy osbourne you know within like 30 seconds you know like uh, and all that stuff. So right off the bat, you know, like, okay, we're dealing with someone who loves music and and is for music and to help, you know, because like, they're not, you know, like, at this point, they're, you know, putting all these resources into this and not asking, we're not charging bands and, or anything. It's just like, let's build the channel, sound mojo, build a brand. And also at the same time, I hate to use the exposure word, but in this case, it actually is exposure because you are being exposed to like, you know, videos where it's just two, three hundred, seven hundred thousand views, right? And you're, you have a little 20 second spot in there, you know? Ah, yes. That's really cool. Yeah. And then they don't have to pay the rights for it because they own the rights to it. Well, actually, we, we, we cut a really artist-friendly deal. Like, when I got there, it was, like, clean slate, you know? So we, I put together the idea of, like, artists don't need a label anymore at this point. They need money, right? Or they need help or, and I, like I said, exposure and all that. But I said, let's put something together where, like, they give us license to monetize it on SoundMojo. And whatever comes in from that, we split 50-50 with them. It's non-exclusive, so they can 
take that same video and put it on other promo websites uh, or uh, whatever on their own YouTube channels. For us, it's non-exclusive. So it's, I think it's really cool. It's like artist-friendly deal. Coming from an artist background myself, it's like, you know, it's like it's, you don't really lose. You actually gain. And if you think about it, you're that once you're in that video, it's like it being in a movie. It's for perpetuity. You're always going to be promoted constantly, you know, as long as that, if that video is evergreen, it's always going to be promoting Absolutely. that song, you know? Absolutely. So it's, I found it was a really cool unique way to sort of like you know help out uh, build a brand uh, and also get watch mojo back into music and also help indie artists because i mean nobody you know beyonce's and all that they don't need the help uh, at all so so who needs the help is you know guys like us you know where we have these you know it's super talented musicians artists and bands and now you have a real audience to, to you know that can listen to your stuff and then like it, discover you basically I think it's super interesting too because I know that Watch Mojo beginnings they would go and actually do interviews at shows here in Montreal, and then Sound Mojo was going to basically pick up where that left off. Yeah, and then the pandemic, and then the pandemic, nice big spoke in the wheels, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But yet, a podcast was born out of it. Yeah, the the podcast. Well, that's Frank. I shall let Frank go because that's pretty much Frank came in to uh, to establish the Watch Mojo Podcast Network. Right, right. So going back around, I guess, a year and a half ago, I emailed out of the blue. I wasn't part of the company. And I emailed the CEO out of the blue just uh, because he had put out a tweet. He's like, hey, you know what? If you're interested in something, find my email out there in the Internet, on the Internet and email me. So I did that, gave him a bit of my background. Uh, At first, I really didn't go to him specifically for, hey, I think you should maybe consider doing podcasts. It was more of a I was brought on as a an intern role, doing a bit of support work for him and what he needed. And it kind of branched out into, hey, why don't you just, I mean, start from scratch, build, uh, take our graphic designers, get creative, uh, build some logos, gather some talent, a.k.a. Cassius and others, of course, but Cassius for this, uh, this podcast, this recording, and um, have fun with it. And we felt like Sound Mojo definitely... When you when you look at the family tree of Watch Mojo and you look at all the tra- uh, all the channels, so you have Miss Mojo, Mojo Espanol, Watch Mojo UK, all that they follow the same content strategy arc as the main channel, right? Which is top tens, top twenties, whatever the case may be. Sound Mojo doesn't, uh, and so we said a nice complementary feature to the channel would be to show off a bit more of our internal voice and start a weekly show, and that's kind of how we ran with it. And uh, we kind of thankfully stumbled upon Cassius's email, pursued that a little bit, and boom. Excellent. Let's, uh, let's let Cassius take up at that moment. So, so you, you, you sit down at your computer, you open your phone, I imagine, really, and there's an email sitting there. What, what was your mindset? Because I got a lot of emails. Sometimes I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is good. <laughs> <laughs> what does this person want? Frank's what mindset. Does this per- person want from me? <laughs> is this uh, our email to Cash's or Cash's to ours? Because um, he reached out to you. Is that or at first? Yeah. Oh, okay, but and then when they responded, so you pick up the story there. Okay, yeah. So I mean, I, I originally saw the posting on the Watch Mojo community tab, um, and it, it was just really spoke to me. I, I mean, it said if you if you love music and you love podcasting, this is the job for you, basically. So I immediately you know, was like talking to my family and stuff, putting together like the right email, put it together. And I, to be quite frank, I never expected to get an answer back. Um, you know, obviously a company with so many subscribers, you would think, oh, they have so many emails. It's never even going to get seen. Uh, then one day I was walking to like the store or something and it was freezing cold out, like a snowstorm. <laughs> here, of course, Alberta yeah. is the worst. Hit hard. And I'm looking at my phone and I see an email from Frank through the winter friggin' cold. And I, and I remember I was like having a little celebration there in this parking lot in the friggin' minus 30 because I got an email from Watch Mojo. Uh, so yeah, we just kept going from there. And similar to what Joe's experience was, I got on a call with these two and then with our CEO, Ash. And then again, within five, 10 minutes, we're talking Van Halen, we're talking Def Leppard. Uh, so I obviously felt comfortable yeah, from uh, the, right off the top. So I was just going to say, from the get-go, we, we told Cash, it's not like you're being hired for this. This is like you're part of the podcast, you know? Like, it's your ideas, my ideas, Frank's ideas. So much so that, like, the theme music, you know, Frank found the theme music, and I keep getting compliments nonstop. Dude, I love that that theme music. I love that theme. I'm like, yeah, great, you know? Like, so anyways, it was just like a literally team effort, you know? It's better better that than, uh, hey, get rid of that, yeah, that exactly. theme music. Jesus. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. All of this, which caught, caught me off guard, too, because, again, such a big company... You have these negative 
uh, assumptions about a big company like, oh, they're just going to write you a script and they're just going to give it to you and you probably won't even meet the people who are higher up. And it was such a pleasant surprise because that is often the case, as I think Joe was going to say. Yeah, not to gush even more about Watch Mojo, but like, you know, I've been through a few kind of, you know, not ran a radio station, but I was head of production of radio for like 10 years and, and stuff. And, you know, when you see someone say something online or say something in an email, you know, your boss tells you something and then you're always like, yeah, whatever, you know, we'll see if, you know, if the proof's in the pudding. But like I've been living it through the pandemic and through when Sam Ocho started and I, I've seen that like what they say they do, you know, and it's I'm super appreciative of that, you know, so it's like it's fun to be a part of this team, you know, very collaborative. It sounds amazing. Uh, Cassius, did you have any experience podcasting before jumping into the inner sleep? Yeah, I honestly have been podcasting since I was like 10 years old. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I just, I started really young. Yeah. So just about two, <laughs> yeah, two just years Yeah, about ago. two years, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm 10 and a half, no. Um, but yeah, but I just started doing it and I've been doing it ever since. And it's always been, honestly, I find all those years were really working up to something like this. Like if if you could have told me a dream job, I couldn't have even said it would be uh, couldn't have even said it would be as good as this because think about it when you're in school and even when you're doing your dream jobs in school no one would think maybe you could find a super cool youtube channel and make awesome content that you'd really enjoy they just tell you oh you can be a firefighter or whatever so yeah incredibly grateful for sure very very interesting um what would be some of the biggest challenges when it comes to running this podcast what would be some of the things that that makes it less fun views (laughs) (laughs) views <laughs> <laughs> i was just dropping that side, I that side and drop and just let me do it uh challenges is i want to do like you three a week two a week i we, we have sometimes we have like we're sitting on a few you know we're like trying to organize things and it's like i want to pump out a, a lot more content because like i mean some mojo is so many different things like we had so many i still have them so many ideas of stuff we want to do it's just like time right it's just always t- a matter of time uh, you know, we want to talk about like documentaries, biopics. We did one this summer, you know, and cover events as well. Maybe some live streams or like, you know, actually put on uh, one of the ideas we had uh, was t- uh, with Ash and um, like uh, Heavy MTL, which is like to have a, so- a side stage of like, you know, Sound Mojo artists or local artists where it's like, here's a Sound Mojo stage and like maybe have some Watch Mojo people there also, you know, hey, people recognize, oh, yeah, I know you guys, you know, it's that. So it's like sort of like get watch mojo into the community even more yeah very very cool um so i always love asking this question whenever i'm with a fellow podcasters is has there been an episode an interview that you would love to redo because it got away from you well i know that cashers handles a lot more of the interviews than we do we we sit on a few but we leave him as the, the main on-screen talent cashers i mean do you have any in mind you know, I think I've been pretty lucky with, with, with these ones. Uh, the only time that sometimes I wish I could have done it better is if it's like super, super early in the morning or super, super late at night. Those are the only times where it's like it, it, when I watch it back, it's, it's very challenging for it to be as good as a regular time because the people who usually do 6 a.m. radio or whatever are doing it every day. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the only times where I sort of kick myself, like, oh, I wish my face was moving at that point. I didn't look half dead. I have one uh, regret, yeah. regret of inner sleeve because I haven't done that many podcasts. But inner sleeve was uh, that I didn't participate when Danielle Anwar was on. You know what I mean? Like, because like as being a huge fan of Danielle, and then he got he called Cash's brother. <laughs> Little brother. I'm like little brother. Oh my yeah. god. This is like this guy produced some some U2s and like some of the greatest like recordings. Peter Gabriel. I mean he's like, come on, man. And he called him little brother. Like, come on. <laughs> he's like, I'm the Lenoir fan around here. I am the fan. Honestly, like I think for uh for us as a small team of three guys, I mean, uh I think we're I'm Extremely, pretty proud of the, yeah. the names that we've got on the show. Like uh, you know, like you mentioned, Daniel Nanoa, even surprisingly enough, the yeah. one like a fan favorite, Chris Holmes. Yeah, man, that <laughs> um, was hilarious. I'm blanking, obviously. Steve Stevens was great. Uh, I'm blanking. Guar was awesome. me out here. Oh, yeah, Guar yeah. was hilarious. Oh, my God. Did you break through with Guar or did they stay in character the whole time? Man, I tried so hard. I, I tried playing into their humor. I tried asking them in creative ways. Uh, but listen, it, the one cool part, though, was that I got on the call with them as they were setting up. 
So the guy had his yeah, yeah. helmet off and he was like just talking to me in a normal voice. They were hilarious. That was a trip for sure. Really weird. I toured with them, oh. so I, I we, wow, we, we look knew at each that. other off stage. So we, we I had a little bit of a that's back, badass uh, an inner way into them. <laughs> so like. Uh, guts thrown on you type of thing that intimate with them or uh, no, how, my, how? my guitarist's wife who was handling merch on the tour was thrown into <laughs> the, the 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 crusher grinder <laughs> under the drum set in vancouver <laughs> at the commodore ballroom though that that, that did happen but i, I can still remember the smell oh, of the war show that funny that it's, rubber that you're rubber the second smell. person to tell me that that, that it's they smell or it mm. smells you know when you go to a gore show it has an interesting. It doesn't mm. smell bad. It has an interesting smell. It's not like playing with Watane, because that that smells like dead <laughs> creatures. So <laughs> it's more of a musk, a guar musk. I'd rather I'd rather smell the guar smell than a Watane smell anytime. Um, speaking of metal, let's talk about metal. Let's talk about if you're metalheads, extreme metalheads. Uh, Vox and Hops is obviously an extreme metal podcast. Uh, so talk to me about. Uh, you've mentioned a few key names so far throughout the conversation that you are metalheads but talk to me about if you are metalheads and what metal means to you uh, if you've ever been in a mosh pit what is probably the most metal experience you've ever lived through hmm i grew up metal <laughs> like like uh from the age of nine i mean the first album i got well it wasn't metal but it was molly cruz uh shot of the devil which which was right, like yeah. you know i was nine years old like that's what grade three you know and like and i'm listening to this shout Shout! Mm. Like wow, and I killed that cassette, like because it was a cassette back in the day, right? I killed mm -hmm. that thing like crazy, and that just was the gateway to everything else, right? I went through all the hair stuff. The, the screaming Queens Reich was like a big influence, and I got into the prog metal. That was like Dream Theater and like uh, all the yeah, yeah, the Swedish metal stuff. Like the heaviest I'll or like the the most extreme I've, I, I enjoy is Meshuga, which is as about as hard as I, I'm gonna get, you know. But um, yeah, but like oh, Opeth as well is big, you know, like the older stuff and even the newer stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, metal I've been around <laughs> in and around it. I'm sure we've been to the same shows, it sounds like. <laughs> you guys probably have being in Montreal, yeah. Unreal. You know, you, you're getting me thinking now. Um, you know, the guys that I really look up to are a lot of the classic metal groups. So uh, they're boring vanilla answer of Sabbath of Slayer of Dio. Oh, Slayer's um, never which boring. Is not, I guess not boring no, for a metal. Never head. boring. Yeah, definitely not. Dio and, rules. And probably the most metal experience. Yeah, the most metal experience I've had probably shooting some of these some of these concerts. I remember at the Slayer concert, um, I was taking pictures and they dropped their curtain and then the guys. You know how the guys carry the curtain away, all the roadies. So their curtain caught my camera case oh, wow. and ripped it off my neck. So then I see my I see it going. There's stuff in the curtain away, and I'm trying to tell these guys, "You guys have my camera case in the curtain." And they're like, "What are you talking Dude, about?" Fuck off! So it's yeah, like just trying to get backstage. You're not talking to Tom. Yeah, they're I. like, "We're Slayers roadies. We don't care." So yeah, it was it was hilarious, man. Some crazy times in those pits too. Crazy. No, you Frank. Uh, <laughs> I hate to break it to you, uh, Matt. Not the biggest metalhead there's actually a, like a like a joke inside joke running that like frank doesn't know all that much about <laughs> youngin, period um but yeah i'm very much like a novice uh but like to the point where there's so many subgenres. like i get so confused all the time so i, I don't even know what metal is Metal's like an attitude. Yeah, exactly I, yeah <laughs> i was gonna ask you that i actually had that as a question but not like you know i grew up with all the metal prog metal prog rock prog all that stuff right extreme metal uh, technical death metal death metal it's like why do we feel this need to really niche down into everything i just what do you think about that i think it's a it's it's a precious little treasure that they want to keep to themselves it's true so to have a like they're the kings yeah, of this so then everything is like classified and it's like the uber nerdism <laughs> that goes into to being a music enthusiast so something that is yours, something that belongs to you, and then you discover other people that also enjoy that, it becomes like your own little crew of people that love this similar thing. It's a culture thing. So I think it's super interesting. But it, the, the older I get, it's always just music is music, metal is metal. It's a exactly. huge umbrella, you know, that, that covers so many things. And it's because metal is an attitude. So I've got a question for you then, because when you said metal, I know that Joe... Cassius and yourself, you kind of lean towards like Sabbath, Slayer. Oh, yeah. So I, was Maiden mentioned as no, well? No. For me, at least. Okay, okay, well. <laughs> yeah, there not yet. Yeah, yeah. Will I mention them? I don't know. Will I mention them? Uh, no, no, but when, like, 
a bit more modern uh, name that came to mind. And you tell me if this is true metal or not. But like Breaking Benjamin, Three Days Grace. Like are those are those metal or what kind of category? I think are they they're in? more in the hard rock um, segment. I have a funny story about Three Days Grace that I'll tell you right <laughs> now. Uh, I was in a band called okay. before called Three Mile Scream before I was in, in Cryptopsy. And we had applied to to play the Mudvayne gig when they uh, were touring. Uh, what was that CD? Not falling. They I saw that Soda. show. I was there. And with the strobes, it was insane. Oh. And the the agent calls, or my bassist at the time, Mike Marino calls, and he hears or sees an email, and and the guy didn't really know who was opening for them. And he says, "Oh, I don't know, it's mm. three something." So he's like, "Oh shit, we got the Mudvayne gig, we got the Mudvayne gig," and he tells all of us, and we're all <laughs> super excited. And then he gets another message from the dude and he's like oh no it's three days oh. grace and that's the first time i had ever heard about three <laughs> Same days year. grace so they they like oh, I, I didn't know started. who they were and i saw them open up and next thing you know they're on radio everywhere i'm like well where does this band come from Huge. where does this band come from like i didn't know them yesterday and the next like yeah. the next week because i obviously went for mud vein but like they're okay. okay you know i guess you know nothing wrong there <laughs> I had a bit yeah, of a yeah, crutch. Yeah, for sure. Right? So I get it. <laughs> yes, yes. A three days, <laughs> yeah, three long days crutch. <laughs> Let's talk about Montreal. Um, Cassius, I don't know if you've ever visited here, but I, I am curious about uh, your experience with Montreal, everyone. Uh, why there is such a vibrant music scene? I have my answer for this because I get asked. I get asked this question very frequently when I'm on tour. Uh, but uh, why do you think there is so many? artistic things coming out of Montreal, um, amazing things, you know, having Sound Mojo start a label, and there's probably a bunch of artists from Montreal on the label. Uh, to talk, talk to me about Montreal music uh, and why that is. I, I don't know why it is. I just know I've always known Montreal, being born and raised here, and uh, being a part of the scene as well as a guitar player in metal, prog metal bands, and, and doing shows all over the town. But I don't know, but like it's true, you know. I've always noticed, like, uh, and it's like not only in one discipline, right? We're known in ev- like every discipline. Yeah, from EDM to like metal to rock to like uh, you know indie stuff. So it's I don't know why, man. It's not something I could put my finger on, but it's not a cookie cutter town, though. You know, it's uh, it's a metropolis. So the, the, with with that comes diversity, and there's just so much out there and i know you're talking just from general arts standpoint right not necessarily it, yes yes uh, typically i would i would focus in on the metal part of it but it, it really spans into all aspects of art yeah yeah absolutely i don't know like it's a t- it's a it's a tough question to, to really nail but i think it's just like a super liberal city that has an audience for everything and uh a lot of things are born here and you know then People move on and maybe head to mm-hmm. other meccas for whatever industry they're in. But a lot of it, uh, like I know, like so, random, like when you were saying the arts, like the, the random thought unrelated to music that my girlfriend and I watch a lot of RuPaul's okay. Drag Race, right? And there's a huge drag yes. race scene in Montreal. Like a lot of the big names in that industry who make it big to New York and to wherever, like they've started here. Yeah. Like they've, there's drag shows here. Like it's 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 quite remarkable. And that just goes to... It, it, it piggybacks on what you said, like just extremely diverse in many different fields. So, yeah, we're lucky for it. Like even it keeps us uh, even comedy, right? Like uh, it's, it's huge uh, art, uh, like a jazz. Look, we have a jazz yeah. fest, man. Like one of the most widely known around the world, right? Six Soleil, uh-huh. like it's, it's endless. yeah, it is insane how much stuff is there. My best guess as to why that is would be maybe more availability, maybe more slash better bars and clubs to play. I know that there's great schools out there. Like I know some of our people at Watch Mojo, especially our CEO, like does stuff with Concordia. So I'm thinking there's more of a crossover between just general living in the arts in Montreal. That's my hypothesis. And to answer your question about visiting, I did visit, mm-hmm. but it was on a school trip where I was taped into my hotel room really? so <laughs> at night. At night so. Also two years ago. <laughs> Yeah, also, that was one year ago. Hilarious. (laughs) Um, Now, if you could do a, the inner sleeve, I love collabs, right? So I, I, my, my brain is always thinking about making new beers. 
Uh, just this past summer, I released 22 beers uh, for a project called uh, Vox and Hops Brutal North America, where I paired uh, past guests of the podcast, the Vox and Hops alumni, with metal breweries from across North America. 22 of the collabs came out. Um, I love, love making collabs. So, so if you could make an inner sleeve beer, what style of beer would it be and what would you call it? Definitely would have to have something with Frank Zappa for me. Mm. Uh, some hot rats, <laughs> just a big <laughs> like a, mustache so on the can. A rat motel or like some weird title like that. That's for sure. Maybe rat motel would be something cool or two hundred motels. I think it's a, sounds delicious. Yeah. Hot rats is a great album. Hot yeah. rats. Yeah. Oh my god, hmm. man! I, I so would can you repeat? To, the, go ahead. Can you repeat that? Actually, is it like a an inner sleeve? It would be your own yeah. beer, basically. You you would team up with a brewery, and you and the brewer would sit down together, and you would tell them, "I want you to make." this style of beer and then you you design a label and you have a name on the label and it's your beer i know i'd like something with just enough hops like i like hops but i don't like it when it's overkill so i'd like something that a, a lager guy could mm-hmm. drink and a hops guy mm-hmm. could drink personally. an ipl an india pale lager maybe there yeah. you go mixing <laughs> up the game <laughs> i have no clue what's a i have no clue. what's a kilkenny style beer that's like an irish cream ale that's it. Yeah. yeah. So that I would I would like go something along those lines. It's really hard to do those in cans because of the widget, the little uh, plastic mm. ball in it that's been patented by Guinness, and I believe they yeah. are ran by the same brewery. Uh, so so they don't let any other breweries release beers wow. with the little widget so, in it to get that cream foaminess that frothy, exactly yeah. that 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 tap pour wow, i didn't even i love it i'm going to going to bed I, it's like you're supposed to learn something new every day this is it <laughs> you guys both drank like a family guy episode we ta- the why exact is same talking time? about crypto man we gotta talk about this beer technology man <laughs> uh, i typically wrap up with one last question uh it's a classic vox and hobbs wrap-up question it's uh probably doesn't happen to you guys very often because you're very busy uh you seem to be mature and in control of your lives but every once in a while it happens to everyone what are your hangover cures never okay. again. <laughs> yeah i was just saying that in the mantra uh, that one doesn't fix anything chicken noodle, chicken soup. noodle soup you know what oh that's yeah. cool yeah something warm those those heat packs you know are always <laughs> useful but more I think beer it's just, also helps. No. Yeah, <laughs> strangely enough, it does actually. But <laughs> absolutely hating yourself is the cure <laughs> to, to come, overcoming this. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I've been scarred from the last couple times. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Actually, last time I got like I, I and I to that and since that point, I've never gotten a true hangover, which I'm thankful for. I was in Las Vegas uh, in 20, <laughs> Las Vegas and hangovers. I'm sure yep, people are strangers said. to that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, 2018, I want to say. And first of all, we were at this club and like the prices there are just ridiculous. Like we're talking about mortgage. Um, yeah, a mortgage for, <laughs> mortgage a, for, for a, a, beer, for a, a 1.5 liter uh, bottle. Okay, so we go, we go up to the bartender and we're like, okay, how much is a bottle? base base bottle nothing we're not asking for anything special any type of uh, fancy liquor 1.5 k wow usd for like for a, a smirnoff bottle. bottle or something for a smirnoff oh, yeah exactly a vodka 1.5 so we're like okay that's out of the question how much maybe we can get a bit more bang for our buck how much is a shot 85 oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh so run amok so uh anyways we we felt like the most value purchase was twenty dollar uh, Bud Lights, wow. or something like that, like the tall cans, right? Yep. And yeah, it's pretty wild. And I had, I swear, I had like two or three knocked out. I felt like I like got something yeah, was, was slipped in say. there. I couldn't yeah. believe that two or three, and I it was bad. Like I had a, the, the whole night. It just hit me like a rock, and I couldn't believe it. But honestly, a hot shower. <laughs> that does help a little bit. Yeah. If you're asking yeah. for That's remedies, cool. like maybe not completely cure it, but it would at least it'll at least help for maybe forty five. Need a sauna. <laughs> That's what you need at the hotel. Yeah. That's true. That's Sweat true. it all. That would out. be good. That would be good. 
Yeah. How about you, though, man? I suffer in silence. I, I am uh, <laughs> a, fa- Just a father of two young children, so it's not their fault. They're not the ones that drank the beers. Um, if I if I could. And if I have it in the fridge, uh, I'll drink a fruited sour, which is a, a, a sour based beer is like a kettle, a kettle sour, which is like a very tart, um, typically five to seven percent base beer. And then they pump it with a bunch of fruit puree. So it's like a fruit. It's like a smoothie, super thick, a little bit tart. So you're getting your, your fruit and you're getting a little bit of booze. And then I drink a cup of coffee with it, and I was talking to the boys from Pub Brewski here in Montreal about my hangover cure. When I asked them, they asked, turned the table on me, and then they were like, that sounds like a good idea. And then we made Brutal Juice, which is one of my beer collabs that came out. It was, a, I think it was 8.5% coffee it was zab coffee that was in it it was a uh, really really delicious with dark dark berries it was looked like blood it was amazing mm-hmm. yeah awesome wow man that's that's some heavy stuff that's the closest i've gone to going on a diet drinking a smoothie like that that's eight percent uh usually fail <laughs> Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, actually, what I was just curious to know, like, how, how like, the why Vox and Hops? How, obviously, now that I know you're a huge beer fan, but, like, how did you guys get that going? I was home for a year. I took a year off uh, to stay home with my then 18-month-year-old daughter. My wife went back to work. I stayed home for a year being in Montreal, and we do not watch much screens with my children. In the winter months, it gets dark really early here. I got, like, really bored (laughs) fast in the afternoons because it was, like, many hours before my wife would come home. So I started listening to podcasts. I had been a guest on the, the JASTA show which is like a huge uh, podcast ran by Jamie Jasta of Hatebreed. So I started listening to that one first because I knew it and I just got addicted to the format. I moved on to the X-Men with Doc Coyle. He was in God Forbid. I played with God Forbid. Now he's in uh, Bad Wolves. Uh, Listened to a lot of his stuff. Started listening to Off Camera with Sam Jones and I just really enjoyed his, his interview technique because he actually listens versus speaking and monologuing the whole time, which a lot of podcasters tend to do. And uh, I just fell in love with the format. I, I went to dinner with my wife, who is now the producer of the podcast. Uh, shout out to Jessica. She is really the person that always takes my ideas and then makes them better. So that night, the night the 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 name was born, the concept was born. I was gonna sit down with my friends. It was supposed to just be singers and talk about their their you know vocals and performing vocals and drinking a craft beer. It was basically like you know, comedians in cars getting coffee, except it was musicians in bars drinking craft beer was really the, the, my elevator pitch before I had an elevator pitch for Vox and Hops. (laughs) And then I very, very quickly realized that just doing a vocalist really would constrain me to the amount of guests that I can get. So I immediately, my first guest was actually a guitarist and one of my closest friends, uh, Danny Marino from the agonist known him for ever so it was an easy conversation i was super nervous when i was sitting down to record that first first interview i was at his house and he looked at me and he went dude you've played vakin it's like you can yeah. do this <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and awesome. i was like i was like okay you're right it's so true. then we, we recorded the and it went well and i recorded 10 interviews and I started releasing episodes in October 2018, and I'm just about to release my 300th episode. 
coming up in the next few days so 300 episodes in just about three years uh it's been running good it's a a passion project i really really enjoy having conversations with people the first 100 episodes were just my friends and then eventually publicists got wind of what i'm doing and i basically have to tell them i can't do their interviews anymore because i'm just too booked yep that's gonna happen that's what i'm talking about man it's huge i I did want to know from you because obviously you have a lot of experience. What is the king of craft beers, in your opinion? Oh, the specific beer? That's difficult. I think the beer that changed the most on the scene here in Quebec, I can talk about that, because I I can't really talk about the world, because I don't really live there. I'm I'm pretty much very well-versed in what's happening here in Quebec. Uh, The beer that changed a lot for a lot of breweries here was uh, Boreal's Nogest from Boreal. When that hazy... Uh, milky a beer basically very much like this one came onto the market everyone was freaking out and waiting in line at boreal and boreal is not a microbrewery they're a microbrewery because they're not owned by labat or anything like that or molson but they are still a very big brewery that makes beer that is available everywhere in every bar when i started playing shows with three miles cream and when i got my little drink coupons at sapphire i don't know if you remember sapphire i would i would <laughs> cash in my coupons to drink boreal and i would you know getting used to drinking it so so this this beer came out boreal's in august and it's a new england it was one of the first ones uh, there was probably two or three at the same time that dropped but this one was the most people freaked out so I, and I still think that it, if it wasn't for that beer, um, the hazy craze here in Quebec wouldn't be as advanced as it is now. Because basically every brewery is killing it with the haze now. Interesting, man. I got to get down to Quebec because it sounds like there's a lot of uh, oh, yeah. a lot of cool stuff. I remember I used to work at a Depaneur, as we say here, uh, as a kid, you know, and like beer is just like, it's crazy, man. Hockey and beer, you know. <laughs> Hockey and beer. <laughs> and music, obviously, because we have so much talent over here. I remember, actually, it's a funny story. Uh, I remember uh, working, it was Jerry, uh, on Jerry Street, you know, near the Metro. And, like, I'd be doing, you know, stocking up the beer, stocking up the fridges. And then right behind me, all of a sudden, it's coming down here. <laughs> big boots walking, turn around, and it's like, it's Piggy from Voivod. I was like, wow, no dude, way. you're buying beer yeah. here. Amazing, you know? So that was a cool little story. He was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you, you guys are um, Matt. Specifically, have you been to the uh, to the what's it called the Steam Whistle Brewery in Toronto? I have not, but have I know the name there? well, and it actually I feel like they have started distributing into Quebec now. It's it's kind of got a Saint Ambroise vibe. Okay, okay, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. like nice open uh, resto slash. Obviously, you get your your beer there, and they make it all in house, and it's a really good vibe. So I was there this summer. Mm-hmm gave it a go and i really enjoyed it so if ever i know that wasn't necessarily what we were talking no about but stress. it came to mind <laughs> that if you're ever in toronto i'd recommend going there for sure absolutely very Try very cool pretty yeah. good beer too ontario has a yeah, vibrant yeah, scene very very vibrant scene there's like way more breweries in ontario than quebec it's, it's like actually insane mm, well huge Next province level. right uh, it's, it's crazy. that's true the population is bigger uh, I also want to know, like, going back to music, like, how did you, like, get started in music screaming? Because, like, we, you must know, obviously, uh, Justin from Fane, the local band yeah. Fane. Yeah. We had him on the show the other day, and he gave us a tutorial, like a, like a master co- class on screaming, right, and vocals and stuff like that. And I've always That's been, amazing. like, you know, I've always been into, like, the, the, the singer singers, like Dickinson and, like, Halloween. Mm-hmm. It was a huge, I was a huge Halloween yeah. fan when I was a kid. But, like... Uh, I don't know, I'd be at like Cité de Mir, like listening and like yeah. these bands next to us going and I was you know at the time we were stupid young kids we think oh they're using effects and stuff but then when you actually sit there and you watch the guy I was recording in studio and I'm like all right let's get the levels you know and this guy's going Rah. I'm like where are your effects like there's no effects dude you know it's like this guy's it's his real <laughs> voice you know so I'm just curious to know like how you got started in the whole scene. I've always wanted to be a singer. I, I really grew up learning music in my dad's car, listening to Journey. He was like a pure 80s uh, hair metal. Uh, loves it. Uh, the Black Album was in constant rotation. Uh, bon Jovi. So I always wanted to be a singer, a clean singer. So I imagined my whole life wanting to step up onto stage and be a singer. And a funny anecdote is that when I was really young, there was a talent show. I'm from Two Mountains, which is... Uh, outside of Montreal next to St. Eustache and uh, it used to have a very big English population 
now it's more francophone and that's cool but uh i tried out for a talent show and i was in grade seven and and the song that i chose was meatloaf uh <laughs> two out of three ain't bad now, now if you if you know this song and you imagine a 13 year old child singing that's... the lyrics of it it's extremely inappropriate and i uh, kudos to my parents for letting me to do it but they could have also helped me get into the talent show by letting me choose a song that had a bit more child appropriate lyrics you know mm. i want you i need you but there ain't no way i'm ever gonna need you so don't feel bad because two out of three ain't bad or something like that <laughs> the teachers have their eyebrows raised yeah yeah my, my totally uh, totally so i didn't get into that but um Shout out to Mrs. Cocking, who ran the plays at LTM with my high school that I went to. She was actually one of the judges at that. And she came up and found me and said, you can really sing. You should join the plays, which I did. And then our first play was Oliver. And I had I was one of the orphan boys. And then I just kept doing bigger and bigger parts until I was in my graduating year. And I got like one of the main leads of the, the villain and stuff. So, so that was super fun and formative and learning to sing with Mr. Shank in the piano room, uh, was really the formative years of me learning how to sing. I, uh, Mrs. Cocking again, shattered again. There was this band. They were super cool. They were a great older than me, but the singer was horrible. And she was like, you should sing for them. And then about four months later, I ended up singing for this band and that was my first band. Um, funny story there we were covering faith by limb biscuit and i got to the point of the get the fuck up and we had the, the guitarist stopped and he made me apologize to his mother who was upstairs <laughs> <laughs> should have turned it down like, like my dad in the car oh just, uh, unplugged the mic for a second <laughs> so it just continued like that. I always I, that band evolved into another band, a very big tool influence that I was into. Um, uh, Incubus was a big thing. Science, Science. Like Brandon Voice, wow, Voice what an album. Science was amazing. Make Yourself became huge. Uh, I continued in that aspect of things. Uh, that band fell apart, and then Mike Marino uh, called me up one day and. Uh, asked me if I wanted to join his band that he was forming called Three Mile Scream. And then from there, Three Mile Scream got just heavier and heavier. Three Mile Scream initially was supposed to be a Seven Dust Taproot-inspired band with lots of clean vocals, with just a little bit of harsh stuff going on. At the time, I was obsessed with Mike Patton, and I would listen to just about everything that he did, anything and everything. So I was really pushing my voice to a different limit, doing some more harsh vocals, but not really knowing how to do them, just just pushing as hard as I could to try to make sounds. Um, probably not for the best. I was also taking singing lessons at the same time from a, a woman near my house in two mountains. And she wanted to train me to go sing for Cirque Soleil. And I should have listened to her because I'd, I'd probably make more money. But uh, I didn't. And I used uh, all that technique that I learned there and applied it to Three Mile Scream, applied it to my harsh vocals. Uh, Kill Switch Engage came out and that was a huge inspiration to the point of doing even more harsh vocals. Uh, Lamb of God came out, and then Lamb of God, uh, Randy, came to Montreal to produce one of my friend's bands, uh, the singer's vocals, Bloodshot Eye. He actually slept on my guitarist, Alex Dellis's couch with his wife for wow. a few days. This is in 2000 and... I want to say 2004 or 2005. I can't quite remember. And uh, we hung out and that was like a huge thing, and we, he like came up and like jammed with us and sang with us. Um... It was really, really fun and cool, and that just like motivated me so much. We got signed to a Corporate Punishment Records, which was a, a subsidiary of Universal, and then uh, that band broke up, and I joined Cryptopsy because Chris Donaldson, my guitarist, is a producer, and he likes to show off his mixes uh, to the bandmates. He still does it to this day all the time. <laughs> He's always trying to improve himself. He's never satisfied, but he loves to show off what he has worked on, and Flo, my drummer, was in a state of uh, fluctuation of wanting to include clean vocals into extreme metal. Cryptopsy, that is. And he liked what he heard, so he hit me up, and he asked me to join the band, and that was in 2007, and I've been there since then. So uh, I definitely wasn't ready to be an extreme vocalist. I jumped into Cryptopsy being totally not prepared, but I've learned over the years how to scream and toured with a bunch of amazing vocalists to get inspired and have conversations with them and to teach myself how to be a better extreme vocalist. So it's, it's, it's a labor of love, just like the podcast. And, uh, 
you got you got to put the work in. If you don't come put the work in, it's not going to work. Absolutely. Matt, I got one question for you. I like to do this when I interview people. And uh, Joe and Cassius, you could piggyback on this. But let's keep it under the band's umbrella. When you hear the word underrated, what's the first band that comes to mind? Mm. I'm so obsessed with like certain things right now. Are you talking like the biggest band, like a big band or like like a band right now? Could be anything. Well, there's a band right now that I really like. And, and it's not because I'm on the album, but <laughs> I am on the album. <laughs> but I like them they're like before that. like <laughs> <laughs> It's this band from uh, Denmark, and they're called LLNN. They're on Pelagic Records. Uh, they just dropped a new record. It's so good. It's like slow heavy there's a dude that plays like keys in it and it's like the soundscapes of just your worst nightmares l l n n just just so damn good very unappreciated a lot of pelagic uh, records bands are a little bit unappreciated and i hope that that changes over the years joe cassius do you have i recent like i have so many things i listen to but like recent um i'm a huge devin townsend fan uh, like I think he's probably like I can't I, at my age at this point I've loved so many bands that's like I don't have a favorite band just like I don't have a best friend everybody's mm-hmm. just my friend right it's like yes. <laughs> you know we're, so, we're not 12 anymore like, but if I would have to put somebody <laughs> as like who's like do you really idolize something it would be like Devin Townsend because it's the whole mm. package for me anyway and um, uh, so it just happened to be like I guess you know Spotify figures out who you like and blah 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 so I go mm. to discover and then it hits it gives me this one called Four Stroke Baron which I've never heard of. Okay. So I press play. Random. I just press play. Uh, I didn't know that. At the time, I didn't know that, like, um, Devin actually produced this what the song, this album I was listening to or the song I was listening to. You know, I didn't know at the time. I just had to. Di- when I heard the sound, I was like, damn, what the fuck is this, man? So I started to search for the band. Like, what's going on? What's going on? And I say, oh, okay. Anyway, they sound like a typo negative vocal wise, right? So it's got that, mm. you know, vampire vibe, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, big voice. Out of key a bit like a Deftones, which I I I don't like off key vocals, but like some artists for some reason with me they they get a a pass, and like Chino can do that. And then it's, exactly, and then it's like super heavy Devin Townsend style stuff. So I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So now lately I've been every time I'm doing like a video gaming session where I'm like racing a car or something, I have this just blasting and it just keeps me going like in the game, you know. So that's my uh, underrated band, Four Stroke Baron. I I have a great Devin Townsend story. I was I've open for him i was filling in for this band called the catalyst with mike marino uh, and uh, the only time that i could have a conversation with him was in the bathroom so i didn't and i, <laughs> uh, I never had a conversation with him since so solid just, decision you know that's yeah, yeah, I, solid hate when, I hate decision. what fans do that to me that's, so i would never do it to another artist that's the last show i saw before everything went february really? february okay. 2020 yes with hacking yeah. yeah, exactly. He did two nights. I caught the first yeah. night. Yeah. And it's like it what freaks me out about this guy is just how how he's it's it's like it's like an evening at his house, basically. Yeah. Right? So you don't know what he's gonna do, what he's gonna say, and how he's gonna and yeah, and he just talks to the audience as if it's a conversation. And then like I wish I, I said like I wish I had bought both nights, you know, like, like the next mm-hmm. night's gonna be completely different, you know, and it's like it's it's amazing. So I love the guy. The streams he did during the pandemic are really good too. Plus his podcast series, you ever listen to those? I did. Dude, he, he put out a podcast just, album just like that, and then he's number one immediately. Number one, and it's in like, all across the globe. And it's way too much information <laughs> at certain points. Mm. It's like, but like, dude, this guy's brutally honest, and that's what I love about him. And he's Canadian. He's awesome. That's awesome. One underrated group I will throw in there because I was just talking with my friend about this yesterday. Billy Talent, I think, pretty criminally underrated. I think most people in America wouldn't know what's up with them. So uh, yeah, definitely. Still remember Red Flag, right? Or yeah, exactly, flag? right. Oh, man, that was banger. Jeez. Yeah. Frank, Joe, Cassius, thank you so, so much for taking the time hanging out with me, talking about your lives, music, talking about a little bit about craft beer. Uh, I really, really appreciated this. Um, I can't wait to hang out in person and to uh, continue this conversation because it was an absolute blast. just want to say massive cheers to you for hanging out with me. Thank you guys so, so Cheers, much. man. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, man. We really cheers. appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, do I ever love connecting with fellow podcasters. I say it all the time. Every crossover episode that I do, I always say this, but it's the truth. I love hanging out with fellow podcasters because nobody understands what goes into putting out 
consistent podcast episodes week after week more than another podcaster. This one was a special one because uh, I really enjoy what they're doing. I love what Sound Mojo is building. I think it's exciting, and I wish them the absolute best for the future of what's coming up. I'd also encourage you to go check out their version of this episode because as podcasters do, we all set things up in our own little way and edit things in our own little way. So uh, it's interesting to A, B, the two episodes to see what how I set it up and how they set it up. I've included the link to their version of this episode in the description of this podcast. Massive cheers to Joe, Frank, and Cassius. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to hang out with me. Everyone go check out the Inner Sleeve podcast. They release a bunch of amazing content, and they are wonderful humans. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You could do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I dropped throughout that past week, if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as any pertinent information for any cool projects I have in the works before I release them to the public, as well as the updated links to any Thirsty Thursday virtual hangs that are coming up, and the links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by my man Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, and is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. There's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast, I would hate for you to miss a single thing, so please, please do me a favor and sign up to that mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Pod. Podcasts. I hope you have a glorious weekend. I will be back next week with one episode on Tuesday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.